0: hello friends what's up it's mr adam x i'm your host this is the pursuit podcast on the auto collective i'm gonna try again i will try to keep this intro short and sweet because my guest this week is phenomenal we went way over on time we chatted we after we chatted we stopped recording and then we started re-recording so just a heads up, I can't, I will intro it in the episode. You know, we talked about her accident, and then we got done recording, and she was like, oh, did we talk about this? So we re-recorded and we ended up talking for another 20 minutes. My guest this week is Kiana Clay. She is an adaptive athlete. She has an upper arm, upper extremity injury. And she's a motocross rider. She's a snowboarder. She just won due tour She's a skateboarder. She's a surfer. She has a petition that all you should sign, and I will put it in this link below what you are looking at on your phone, the little bio there. Scroll down, click that link. Uh, and the petition is to get her sport in the Olympics as a Paralympic sport. Uh, it's one of the largest categories, female Categories and it basically got voted as no, so they're not going to do it. So sign the petition. We don't know if it's going to change anything. Keanu has a very open mind about what could actually happen, but it's such a great conversation. I want to keep it short and sweet. So before we get into the episode, obviously I have to give a shout-out to my sponsor, Onyx Backcountry. Go to onyxmaps.com, use code Out of Bounds for 20% off your yearly subscription. If you have not downloaded this yet, download it. Use it. Use it on your computer. Save maps to use on your phone when your phone is offline. You can put your phone in airplane mode. It still works. Slope shading, root binding, get back to your van. It's unbelievable. Onyxmaps.com. Use code OUT OF BOUNDS.
1: Cool. Are you ready? Yep. Hey guys, this is Kiana Clay. I'm 27 years old. I'm a multi-professional athlete. I do a lot of sports at a pretty high elite level. I'm a very huge advocate for disabled sports and also disabled women because I myself am a disabled athlete. I broke my neck racing dirt bikes when I was 12 years old and suffered a brachial plexus injury and so now I live life every day as a disabled individual while doing all the sports that I love.
0: So I apologize again. I talked in the intro that we kind of cut out and we finished the episode and then we went back and re-recorded and add a little more. So this is that segment. So if it doesn't line up perfectly, now you get it back to the episode.
1: So when I was younger, my whole goal growing up was to become a professional motocross racer. That was my goal um, to turn pro when I was 16 and to get, you know, signed. And this is whenever the WMA was really happening. And there was actually a career for women in motocross racing at the time. And so there was this huge race in Freestone County Raceway at Wortham, Texas. And, um, there was this huge race that was happening, but I went to go race it as a practice race for the women's cup. That was the f- week, the following week after. And this track is pretty notorious for it rains, a lot before the race, and uh, you know it's always a, it's usually pretty muddy and rough. And so, lo and behold, you know it, it rained the entire week before, and the track was really muddy. But you know, with moto, you race rain or shine. It's a tough sport. So, I went out there. It was raining pretty hard. The track was muddy. Kids were getting their bikes stuck in the mud and blowing up motors because they they just got their bikes stuck with how deep it was. So I go out on the track, and I was running a little bit late and I go out for practice before my motos started. And I went into this corner and I kind of just tipped over, got stuck in like this little mud right and I tipped over and I got so caked in mud I couldn't get myself up. And so a few guys jumped their net and they came and helped me up. And so when I, by the time I started getting going again, the practice was over. And I started going and, you know, since I fell over in that corner, I was so caked with mud that I had no tread in my tires at all. Like it was almost like I was more like my bike had basically street slicks on. Um, I, had, I had no 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 tread on my tires whatsoever. Um, so I went over the finish line jump and uh, I landed. But whenever I landed, since it was still really muddy, the, the water was running down the back face of the jump. And so whenever I landed, I immediately my back tire slid out. And then I looked up and then it just went black. And my dad was was running towards me when he saw it happen. But another rider came over the, the jump and didn't have enough time to react because he was right behind me when I fell that he landed right on top of me and his front wheel went right over my neck and broke my neck and ripped my nerves out of my spinal cord. And so I woke up um, because I was blacked out for about seven minutes. I woke up on a stretcher. And, you know, whenever you black out, you try and move your fingers and try to get feeling and see see what all is damaged. And I realized instantly I couldn't move or feel my arm. And I just started screaming and freaking out. Like, I can't move my arm. I can't move my arm. And the paramedic above me, his eyes widened. He immediately put a neck brace on me. And I was sent to three different hospitals before I was finally diagnosed with brachial plexus injury. Um, brachial plexus is usually an injury that babies acquire when they're pulled out of the womb from their mom wrong at childbirth. But because of the nerves that I damaged in my neck, I was considered to be called brachial plexus. Um, but I just have full, complete, total paralysis on my arm with absolute no movement or feeling whatsoever. So I was going to rehab and trying to gain some movement back because, um, you know, this is my dominant arm. I was dominant in my right hand and I couldn't move or feel anything and it was, it was gone. So there was a little bit of light that I could regain something. But a few months after me and my dad got hit by a drunk driver and we flipped multiple times in our lifted truck and I was tossed around in there like a ragdoll and went to my doctor to get checked up to see if I had any damage. Cause I saw my neck brace on and everything. And I go to the doctor and he said, you know, you were getting bicep muscle back, but everything you're getting you instantly lost again. And then that's when he said, you know, there's absolutely no chance of you getting any movement or feeling back. So, yeah, I kind of just went from there and knew that I was never going to get anything back. How
0: how does a 12, 13-year-old deal with that? Like, do you know I honestly... what you're dealing with at that point? Or it's just <sighs> like you're just, it is what it is.
1: You know, I think initially my, my body was such an, I think my mind was in such of a shock where I actually didn't know how to process it. Where I think looking back when, when I go through something traumatic and I've learned this recently in adulthood, when I go through something traumatic or something that's difficult to deal with, I go numb, where I kind of just go with the motions and I go with the flow of it. Um... I mean, there were a lot of hard days where I would get frustrated, like, you, you know, the movie Soul Surfer, that's about Bethany yep. Hamilton, and it shows where, yeah, she goes to the kitchen after getting back from the hospital, and she tries cutting fruit, she can't, she tries opening up a bag of bread, she can't, and she just gets really frustrated and goes into her room. I mean, that was, that was literally me. I remember, um, I needed to cut chicken when I was eating food, and- I looked at my parents and I just started bawling my eyes out and I gave my plate to my dad and I was like, I can't cut my chicken. Can you help me? And it, you know, it was just, it was hard. I mean, there's even still days where it is still hard. Um, because you can look at a lower limb, you know, person and be like, Oh yeah, they have a lower limb disability, but they can put a prosthetic on and yeah, it's, you know, they have to, they limp or they have pain causing their nub. And I can't necessarily speak on their behalf. I only know from what I've seen in my teammates and what they've expressed to me, but with upper limb disabilities, you are constantly adapting with everything. Like for me to put my hair up, I have to use a doorknob. For me to play Xbox, I use my feet. Uh, I have to figure out other ways to do my makeup. I can't do my hair certain styles that I want to do my hair. I have to use my mouth to shine my shoes. Like my everyday living is constantly having to adapt and there's just some things that I straight up I can't do. I can't ever play pinball. <laughs> um, is it necessary? No, but like I can't do it. <laughs> um, but there, there are just like legitimate things that I can't do, and that's okay, you know. Um, but I think you know, it's 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 just it's a really 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 hard disability. Um, I'm not saying it's worse than others or easier than others whatsoever at all. Every single disability has their challenges, but um, it's definitely hard. And to go through that at 12 years old, I think I just really numbed it out. I went through a lot of depression and just, I think what was hard was also just trying to figure out who I was because I had my passion taken away from me. Like every weekend I would be riding my dirt bike or going to the track and I couldn't do that anymore. I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do with my weekends now? <laughs> um, and so that's when I got really heavy into art. I retaught myself how to draw and retaught myself how to write. So I kind of just adapted as I went and just figured things out.
0: Yeah, and it was such a, like, that age group is when you would find your identity, right? Like, that's when you, Yeah. I'm not saying I'm the same person I was when I was 12, 13 years old, but, like, that's when you start figuring it out. Like these are things I yeah. like. I think I'm almost an adult. I'm a preteen. I'm like you're. You know, you're literally defining yourself. So for yeah. something to as, as catastrophic to happen, and not only once in your situation, but twice. I mean, it sounds like you got almost got lucky in the second accident. Like if you're in a neck brace still, we're assuming, like you probably were still recovering in many of ways like was the yeah. doctor like you should be dead like or they were like you just walked yeah. away from that injury pretty much or from that accident
1: well not only that but with my motocross accident they said the thickness of 3 pieces of paper was how far i was away from being paralyzed from the neck down in a wheelchair and then about about a little bit a little more than that probably about like six pieces of paper i i was i could have died so i mean the closeness of how 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 much i broke my neck and just getting hit by that other dirt bike alone was crazy and then the fact that a few months after my neck was still healing in a neck brace and i was flung around in a truck um you know, I, I, I like to say that I'm a cat with nine lives, and you We've know, I got almost got, I kind of got, uh, well, no, cause I actually, uh, I kind of got hit by, I think it was one of my family members. When I was little, they were backing up in the driveway and they didn't see me fall over my bicycle and they hit me. Apparently my mom just told me the story recently. Oh so gosh. I guess I have six lies left, but, <laughs> but I don't know, just with the two stories, like that's, that's that's how i actually really came to my relationship with jesus and just really figured out what my faith was which is what has really pushed me through today cuz i know i'm here for a reason um and it's not to get a mansion or a lamborghini it's to help people um i have the biggest heart for people you know, there's some days where I'm like, you know, I really don't like people today because they're just all being mean. But then there's other days where I'm like, people are people are awesome. You know, we well
0: some we're people so do unique. suck, and that's okay. Um, yes, but we can't forget the good in people, and the purpose that we are all here is to live and have experiences. And I mean, honestly, it sounds like you've already lived three separate lives. I do want to touch <laughs> real quick because we brought it up. Do you have any? like, what are your injuries now? Like, should you be snowboarding? Like, is your neck um, attached? Are you good to go? <laughs> like, what is, this doesn't seem correct. And I mean that in the nicest way, but like, should you be in a bubble right now?
1: You know, I think you and my mom would get along great. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just asking. I, it's, yeah, it's funny because whenever I get on the lift chair and it's, and it's over 32 degrees and I'm sitting on the lift and I'm wearing my sling, it's always the cute little old ladies that are like, do you think that's a good idea to be riding with your arm like that? And I look at them, and I'm like, it's paralyzed, man. If I hit it, I can't feel it. So it really doesn't matter. And then, uh, cause I've broken my arm a few times and I had no idea that, that it was broken. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, God.
0: you I, just laugh about it. You're just like, you're literally Todd Richards from out cold. I don't know if you've seen out cold. This is you. You're like, someone comes and punches movie, and and punch you in the arm and you're like, she can't feel that.
1: I, I actually take that as a compliment. Cause you know, the movie, Mr.
0: Deeds, I meant it as where, a compliment. Yes. Where he's got the, yes, the frostbitten yes. foot
1: yep i always record that every time i watch that movie i'm like this is exactly how i am with my arm with other people because people are like can you feel that can you feel that i'm like no try harder dude um but yeah i've actually broken it twice and i didn't realize that it was broken until i looked down and i noticed that my arm didn't look as anorexic as usual i was like huh she's looking puffy today and then there's like a little bruising and stuff and then i was like i should probably go get this checked out and then i go to the doctor and they're like yeah, you definitely fractured your wrist or you broke your arm. And then they'll ask me to place my arm in certain positions in the x-rays. I'm like, I can't move it. So how do you want me to do this? And then they'll come over and lift up my arm. And they're like, well, does this hurt when I do this? I'm like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) That is an unbelievable experience that I'm like trying to imagine. And I cannot. It
1: is it is very funny. I, I have so much fun laughing about it. And what's cool is that it, it is my disability It is my injury. So I have every right to and it's just it's funny, because then like, I'll I have friends and other people in my life that are that are really close with me that have been with me through like the whole thing, like, you know, like my parents, obviously, and like my dad will joke about it all the time. He'll he'll call it my flipper. Uh, since my friends call me Nemo and I have a gimpy fin. So, I mean, my, my parents are 1000% on board, uh, on making jokes about it with me. And, you know, it it keeps it light. It helps it not feel like a burden or anything, but, um, is it safe to do all the sports that I do with one hand? Probably not, but neither is driving a car. Neither is walking down the street. Neither is freaking half of the stuff that we do and don't even think about. So, I mean, you know.
0: Why not? I mean, I mean it more like the neck injury that you sustained is fully healed. Everything's good to go.
1: Yes. To go. Yeah. Everything is good.
0: So you're that is healed and you are cleared to go. And now the risk you're taking is just the risk that we're all taking.
1: Yes. And the the only thing that kind of sucks with my snowboarding is that like i have teammates that have such a send it mentality and they'll try and encourage me and be like, oh, well, you should just send it off that jump. And You should just do this and just try that. And I'm like, I don't think you guys understand. If I break my good arm while out trying to send it, (laughs) I can't drive. I can't eat. I can't wash my hair. I can't take care of my dog. I can't do laundry. I can't live. (laughs) Like I can't just put on a prosthetic and everything be good. Like I'm I'm legitimately out of life. Like I can't I would have to go live with my mom until I was fully healed, which would be which would suck. I love my mom, but you know, <laughs> when you're an adult, you don't want to be with your parents for six months on end though. That'll, that'll drive you nuts. So
0: I yeah, just, I a... always
1: take that in consideration because then that would also be, you know, a burden on my family and trying to figure out, all right, what am I doing about finances and what am I doing about this? So I take my training very seriously and I actually kind of overthink my training because I'm like, okay, is this risk, versus like, what's the risk versus reward? Like, is this going to be worth it? Is this going to be applicable? Like, huh? Okay. But if I do risk this, it'll make me a better snowboard and more experienced. So it's like, it's always going back and forth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, that's always all athletes. And I think we disguise it. And I had a discussion with Dan Egan about this. We disguise it with progression. And it's like, no, this is risk. Like what some of these athletes are now doing on snow and a half pipe, and you know it doesn't matter what what sport we're doing. There's kids risking their lives for really progression of sport, uh, and oh yeah, and you are an adult at this point, so it's a little easier for you to be like, oh, if I'm hurt, my brand doesn't exist, and like, how am I gonna f- eat? Not even from how am I going to feed myself? How am I going to eat? How am I going to put food on my table? How am I going to survive? So it's, you know, it's, you only have one arm left to lose. So like, it's, it's funny when we talk about it because you make it funny, but like, yeah, if you break your arm, you're fucked (laughs) to put it it lightly. I mean, you're, I think we that's the first swear in the podcast officially, but, um, We swore off the record, but we'll put one F-bomb in. So, (laughs) but it's, I mean, it's an interesting perspective and it's your perspective and it's real and it's your life. But it's something that, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about that at this point in my life. I could maybe someday, you never know, but.
1: Yeah, because another thing that a lot of people don't know about paralysis is that I have 24-7 neuropathy pain. And what that is, is since my nerves were ripped out of my spinal cord, I have the, according to my doctors, I have the worst type of neuropathy pain, which is the worst pain a human being can go through. And I get it 24-7, it, it never stops, but it feels like, um, like tingles, bee stings, a knife digging into my muscle and dragging around my muscle, uh, throbbing, tightening, um, and electrocuting pain 24-7 all mixed together. And whenever it gets really cold or if the weather's changing in the atmosphere or if I'm sick, my pain actually gets so severe that I, up until about a few years ago, I actually black out now because my pain gets so bad. Um, And so dealing, I also have to like take that in consideration when I go snowboard. So like if the weather's starting to change while I'm out on the mountain or if I look at the weather and I see that it's going to be below a certain temperature, then I'm like, I physically cannot go out and ride because my body like I will actually suffer a lot by going out and trying to do something that I love because my neuropathy pain won't won't let me. Like I actually could black out in the mountain. Um it was what was it like two years ago was whenever I experienced my second blackout ever from my pain and I was driving and I ran into a little tree. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and that's when it actually kinda of freaked me out. So then I, I got a golden retriever because they're brilliant dogs. And his name's Harley, and that's my boy. And um, he's my service dog, and he's awesome. And whenever my arm pain starts to get bad, like, he'll come over and start comforting me, and he can sense that, like, whenever it's getting really bad and stuff. Um, But, yeah, so, like, that's that's another thing that I have to take in consideration with my sports is how is my neuropathy pain today? Okay, if I'm going to go do this, is it going to add more muscle tension to – to what I'm already dealing with my body to where it's going to make my neuropathy pain even worse. So do I actually need to take an extra recovery day or do I need to go see my massage therapist or my chiropractor? Like there's so much that goes into my sports with my disability in, in another way that a lot of people don't realize because a lot of people with like amputees and stuff, they, they really don't have a whole lot of neuropathy pain. Um, because theirs was damaged from either the bottom of their limb or middle of the limb while mine was from my spinal cord. So it's a little, it's a little bit more different. Um, But my coaches are absolutely incredible when it comes to coaching and being aware of my situation. So if they can tell that my arm pain is being bad, they'll, they'll tell me to go take the rest of the day off or something. Um, My coaches have learned me pretty well at this point. (laughs) So I'm great. I'm grateful for that.
0: This is a dumb question, but I'm a dumb person. This isn't curable by like an Advil. Like this isn't going away. This is nerve damage. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, no and that's... there's not enough CBD cream in the, on the planet that we can rub on your spine that will make this better. Like this is constant pain that you just have to learn to manage and live with.
1: Yeah, and that's that's not a dumb question because nobody really knows much about neuropathy pain. That nobody has really been educated on or even heard of it. It's very rare that you meet somebody with it. But yeah, you're correct. Um, I mean, they've they've given me all the heavy pain meds.
0: Yeah, cortisone shots. Try to just
1: yeah. Yeah, they even tried doing. They even tried doing stem cells, and that didn't do anything. they gave me a lot of opioids that I I decided to get off um, pretty you. quickly because I I did a lot of research and I was like number one I never want to risk getting addicted to those things number two they're terrible for your kidneys and number three pills just scare me man I just don't I don't like pills they they terrify me um, I do use some CBD creams that that don't necessarily help with my neuropathy but they help relax my muscles. And that helps a lot with the neuropathy in the sense of it's not tightening my muscles because my muscles are too chilled out. <laughs> so right. the CBD cream does have some benefits to it, but it doesn't actually help the neuropathy pain itself. Um, but yeah, I, I wish there was a cure, but I mean, that's why I have so many tattoos. My my pain tolerance is through the roof.
0: This is fine.
1: Yep. Yeah. Like I all, pretty much all my fingers are tattooed now and uh, I was getting them done, and my my tattoo artist just looked at me and he's like, You good? And I'm like, it Doesn't hurt one bit. He's like, Oh, okay. So
0: That's I have an amazing. insane
1: pain tolerance.
0: When you say multi sports athlete, you literally, like, I, you yeah. know, I Googled you, I looked you up. You literally do, like, you skate, you surf, you ride Moto X, you snowboard. Yep. How, how does one even manage that?
1: Um, Google Calendar for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, do you train? Like how or is it all just cross-training? Does it come natural for you? Did you grow up doing all these sports?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California where, you know, it's the action sport capital of the entire world. And so my neighborhood was just Filled with all these different pro professional athletes. And my whole family was pretty active in things. But ever since I could remember, I just always had a need for speed. So whether it was like going as fast as I could on a scooter or my bicycle or my skateboard or whatever it was that I had that had wheels or a motor, I was trying to go as fast as I could and you know, try to give my mom a heart attack because I thought it was fun to scare her. Um, but I just grew up with like this adrenaline junkie mindset. and my dad kind of picked up on that. I was like, you know, we should get her a dirt bike. And so I ended up getting a dirt bike when I was seven years old. And I was kind of already doing a little bit of skateboarding, a little bit of surfing. But there was something about dirt bikes that really made me fall in love. Um, and I was just pretty hooked ever since. My first love was definitely motocross for sure.
0: And then you had a life-altering injury from riding a dirt bike and what made you get and what made you get back on a dirt bike
1: so when i first initially lost my arm at 12 years old i mean not only did i lose my arm but i lost my identity and like who i was essentially um i struggled a lot in trying to figure out all right so who's this new kiana gonna be what what else can I like sink my teeth into that is going to give me as much satisfaction and like help me fill that void. So I tried out for absolutely everything in middle school and high school. I did basketball, choir, cross country, drill team, anything you can think of. I, I tried out for it and none of it really hit me or affected me the way that motocross did. Um, it's, I don't know if like anybody's felt this way, but when you actually do something, and you're like, this is why I'm here. That was the feeling that Moto gave me. And I just never really felt that with anything else. And so I really just sat and thought and daydreamed about riding again. And, um, you know, I went to college and I was finally at the age of 18 where like my parents couldn't legally tell me no. And I was still hanging out at the tracks and everything. So I decided to rig up a pit bike with one of my buddies and I kind of just got back into riding naturally. Um, I had no plan for it. I just wanted to ride again. Um, my parents had no idea for like three months until somebody was at the track and took a picture of me riding and posted it on Facebook. And I was like, Oh no, now I have to tell my parents. So it, <laughs> it kind of just all ended up falling into place. I never had, any intentions to snowboard again and do it as a career. I never had any intentions of inspiring anybody because, you know, social media wasn't really a thing. When I got back into writing, it kind of just started coming back, back, like coming into the scene. So social media wasn't really prominent. So I didn't really have anybody or anything to go off of. I didn't know adaptive sports was a thing. Um, I didn't do it to inspire people. I did it because I genuinely love dirt bikes. I love moto with all my heart
0: but I think that's, that's always like the people who are truly inspirational, right? Like you can't set out to be an inspiration. You just have to be yeah. you and that hope that somehow you inspire something or somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, it's just crazy. Cause I'll get messages from people all around the world that are like, Oh yeah, I have this, the same injury as you. And they'll tell me their story. And I'm like, Oh, wow, there's a lot more people like me than I thought there was. And it's kind of cool how you motivating somebody kind of just comes naturally, because when people are like, Oh, you inspired me to do this or this. I'm, I'm always very grateful, because I'm like, you know, that's awesome, because I'm just doing what makes me me. And I'm just following my gut instinct on pretty much everything and just taking every opportunity that I possibly can. And if that motivates somebody else to live their life, to do the same, like, every day is their possibly their last day. Because, you know, today could be our last day. We don't know when we're dying. So, I mean, why not take every single opportunity? And why not do things that make you happy, even if your family doesn't support you and your friends don't support you and doctors tell you that you can't do something? Because um, that's what happened with me after my, after my injury happened.
0: So how we're going to jump around a little bit because your story is, I don't want to say it's all over, but like you do, you literally do everything. Most of the time I interview somebody and we talk about snowboarding for an hour, but like, yeah, you are a surfer, a skater, a snowboarder, a motocrosser. You you kind of do it all and inspire. you know, you're a speaker. You're, you you have this giant story and you're only, you're under 30. We don't have to, I mean, you already said your age, but you're under 30. (laughs) We'll keep it under 30. Um, but, like, how, you know, were your parents, when you were younger, did they, like, mm-hmm. after the injury, did they, like, coddle you and try to protect you? Or they, like, motivate you to get out there and go do it? Or I assume doctors were, like, your life will never be what it was. So what yeah. was, like, the, what made you keep going and, like, keep trying things and keep failing at things i assume
1: oh yeah definitely what kept me trying things was uh, number <laughs> a few things that i always grew up with that people told me were a problem was that i'm very loud i'm very opinionated and i'm very stubborn and when i first had my accident the way that my parents really protected me and didn't really allow me to do a lot because they didn't want me to get injured they were very adamant about me never touching a dirt bike again especially my mom um and i think just my friends and pretty much everybody around me that just kind of looked at me as some type of sympathy like someone to give extra sympathy to and feel pity for and i hated that i hated feeling like okay i lost my arm so i'm not capable of doing what i want anymore that sounds stupid so I, it just it, it just really did made me more determined naturally because I'm so stubborn where I don't want... I want I love proving people wrong. If somebody says, it's impossible for you to ride dirt bike again, I just look at them and I'm like, all right, watch me, I'll do it. Um, it's almost kind of like that reverse psychology, you know, that parents tell us, you know, if you don't want your kids to do the dishes, tell them to not do the dishes, you know? Um, that's kind of how it was just like my whole life. And I think it really is kind of, catapulted me to where I'm at today
0: yeah I find it so interesting when I when I speak to like any adaptive sport athlete because you come in and then mm-hmm. and, and I'll be transparent like I come in and maybe I tiptoe around something or like and I don't know what proper words to use or I don't and like now I'm like oh no these people these people these humans are way more badass than i am they're yeah. doing way like i think we sometimes as like a society or like like i see you have an upper limb injury and i'm like oh mm-hmm. let me get that for you when meanwhile you're like helping me get down the mountain or like teaching me how to ride a dirt bike better like it's this weird yeah. i don't know if it's like a paradox or a complex or like i don't know what it is or why And I love having these conversations because, like, again, me being transparent, like, sometimes they put me in really uncomfortable situations because I don't know the proper lingo or I don't know, like, I don't want to offend anybody, right? So it's so fun to have these conversations with athletes like yourself because you're like, oh, no, basically, F you. I'm an athlete. I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. You don't say that. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so we're just, I mean, no one's normal, but we're just normal humans. Like we're all humans. And just because you had something catastrophic happen to you at a young age, doesn't mean you can't do something that I can do and probably can do it way better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's actually one thing that I've, that I've learned that I'm, that that I've just noticed the adaptive community is that uh, just going back to what you said earlier, like, you don't know if someone's going to offend someone. I know some people that are super sensitive about their story because what they went through was really traumatic for them. And, you know, each of us as a human being individual, we all have our different levels of what we can handle and what we can't, like, and what we can't. Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of grateful that my accident happened at a young-ish age because, I was in still that state of mind of being a kid where my brain could still, you know, learn new things and be flexible on stuff and figure things out and get creative and be out of the box. I'm grateful for that aspect. Um, But when people are like, Oh, well don't you think you deserve this? Don't you think you deserve that? I'm like, I don't think I deserve anything. I'm just beyond grateful just to have the opportunities that I do because just because I lost my arm doesn't mean that what I went through is any more traumatic than a mother losing a child. I don't ever want to experience that. Like now what I go through doesn't mean that I'm entitled to things and I deserve things. I'm just grateful for the opportunities and grateful to be where I'm at rather than expecting that things are supposed to be happening just because, you know, I have a story and I lost my arm. Like things happen to people every day.
0: That's such a great, like, I don't want to say hot take, but outlook on that. Cause I think, yeah, I think yeah. we assume the opposite, not in a rude way, but like, you know, I think you, you are currently kind of like fighting to get, to have your sport be an Olympic sport, correct? A Paralympic sport.
1: Yes. Yeah. My category got cut, um, based off of a vote, not criteria, which I think is very, very wrong. Um, cause actually the upper limb female category for the international Paralympic committee. We have the most licensed athletes out of all the categories in the
0: Paralympics. (laughs) So how does that happen? So
1: why would, well, we didn't have enough girls show up at world champs and not enough girls showed up during the COVID-19 competitions that where there were only like one or two of them and they ended up getting canceled. And they said, well, since no athletes showed up when nobody was traveling anyways, they're like, we're just going to go ahead and cut the category. So it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know why they did that, because um, again, we have a lot of we have a lot of girls that are licensed and a lot of girls that are one thousand percent ready to compete. So I just I was like, you know, I'm gonna start a petition because this is just wrong. And aside from adaptive sports, it's not progressing the sport of snowboarding as a whole. Because if there's a little girl with an upper limb disability watching the Paralympics and she doesn't see somebody like her, how is she ever gonna get inspired or motivated to touch a snowboard? Or how are we even going to inspire like men to be like, well, if girls are doing it with one arm, I should be able to do it too. You know? So I, I think it's just, it's a hindrance to not just our category and progressing adaptive snowboarding, but snowboarding in its entirety.
0: So how do we help? How do we make change? How do we make it better? How do we, what can anybody listening do to help shine light on this?
1: Um, you know, I've 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 started a petition. I've been very grateful for a lot of really cool outlets that I've had the opportunity to share my story and what I'm trying to accomplish with. Um, I do have a petition running right now. Um, I'm going to leave it up for probably about another month or so. Um, I'm trying to cut it as close to the games as I possibly can. So hopefully, if they change their minds, they can because they're aware of it. Um, so my petition is on my bio. Um, um, on my Instagram. so Anybody can sign it. Um, But yeah, we're going to get submitted and hopefully it it does something. And if not, we'll just make sure that all the girls are showing up at World Champs in two years and so that they don't cut our class again.
0: We will add, I'll add your link and my link so that when we share this episode people can click, click the link in our story as well so that they can see it and they can sign up for it. Do you think there are good odds of them overturning it, or do you think it's going to, like, deaf ears right now?
1: Um, I think it's going to deaf ears, and I hate to say it because of COVID. Um, they've been incredibly strict at the Olympics and the Paralympics last summer, um, especially with the new, you know, variants that are coming out. They, they won't allow family there. They won't allow spectators there, unless, basically unless if you are an athlete and a coach. Nobody else is going um, so I think that they're not going to do it because they don't want that many people there anyways. Do you so think they're just COVID using it as just... a
0: scapegoat or, I mean, COVID is real and we've accepted that. And yes. Like, but like,
1: oh yeah, I, I definitely think they're using it as a scapegoat as something to back their decision and to justify what they're doing 1000%. Yeah.
0: So do you think there's hope for four years from now?
1: They said that we do have a class for 2026 in Italy. Okay. Um, but again, if no girls show up to world champs in two years, they will cut us again.
0: I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong here. hmm Is there much support for Paralympic athletes right now? I'm saying, like, is it easy for females with upper limb injuries to get to world championships?
1: Uh, No. I would think... actually say that's for that's for every athlete though. That's not just for Upper Limb. Um, I mean up until last year, I was working three jobs and snowboarding and training and competing full time. Um, I mean every athlete that I train with that's on my team, and even on team USA, every athlete has one or two jobs. You... So not only are you trying to snowboard, but you're trying to make enough money to snowboard.
0: <laughs> Do you think that's Females only or male and female?
1: Honestly, I think the males are actually suffering a little bit more because I, I actually think that us girls have more of, have more opportunity because not only that, but we have, you know, we have the, the feminist movement of you go girl. Um, and then you get a girl, you get girls with stories. And then you get girls that are doing boys sports. That's going to be a lot more attention than, a disabled guy doing, doing a sport. You know what I mean? Um, girls from what I've seen and what, honestly, what I've personally experienced, we definitely get more support than the boys. And I, I don't really, I don't agree with that. Um, because a lot of, a lot of my teammates are veterans, you know, they, they have incredible stories. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think girls have a little bit more of a, of an advantage in that way. Um, and I think they need to be paying attention to the boys a lot more for
0: sure. Do you think that's just an adaptive sports? Because I would think it's almost the exact opposite in You know, um, I feel like the guys yeah, are like living a luxury life and the girls are working at Starbucks while trying to be a pro snowboarder. And it's like, I think it was Alex Showerman said, sorry, but Alec Showerman was like, no wonder. Yeah. The girls aren't doing the same tricks as the males because they're working five days a week and then yeah. competing. And the guys are training five days a week and competing. So no wonder they're not, you know, it, the levels aren't the same. It's how could they be? And I thought yeah. that was so interesting.
1: Yeah. I I've definitely seen a different shift in that regard. Cause I, I know some girls that are some of the top pros in the world. And you know, I see how they do work harder because they aren't throwing as big tricks. I mean they're not they're not over there do, doing insane things like some of these guys are. So I can definitely see that. Um I think just in the adaptive side, if you get a girl with a story that's still doing guys' sports, I think you know, we're we're just we're feel good stories that makes great marketing.
0: It sells. Unfortunately. And I yeah.
1: One thousand percent.
0: But I think that's, I mean, it is unfortunate, but it's also, that's why any brands have any interest in any of us. That's why a brand yeah. cares to be a part of this show, because we deliver yes. a, a good product that tells stories that ideally sells stuff. And like, yes, you know, we can segue this into you with Burton. I think you're their first yeah. para-athlete, para right? A Paralympic athlete, para-snowboarder. You're their first one, right?
1: Yep. First adaptive snowboarder, male, female ever to sign with Burton, Um, which is a huge honor. It's incredible, actually.
0: But that being said, if they didn't think you were going to sell more snowboards, they wouldn't sign you. Mm -hmm. No matter how good you were, how bad you were, how it, it doesn't. And that's, I mean, you're an athlete, you're a product. And sometimes that's really great and sometimes that's really hard
1: yeah the and those are all excellent points like sometimes sometimes it's really rad when you're being used for marketing for a company like Burton and especially whenever you believe in what they do and you guys have the same mission like you know, Jake's quote, have as much fun as possible. Um, I mean, that's pretty much how I live my life because I do so many sports and I have so much fun doing all of them. Because I'm like, if this is the only life I get to live, I am i don't want to stick with one because one isn't enough for me. <laughs> so I'm going to keep doing more of them. So I think it just, you know, I think whenever you find a brand that matches your values, um, that's when it's awesome. But whenever you get brands that are just difficult to work with and they they don't they pretend to value you and they pretend to value what you bring to the table that's where it just gets disheartening for you because you're like okay I guess I'm just being used for this or yada 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 or what have you but um but yeah Burton has been absolutely so much fun to work with they're 1000% my family and they've done so much with my gear to help me with my progression of snowboarding it's been a lot of fun
0: How much has the evolution of Step-On helped your snowboarding career? And this isn't a Burton ad. I mean, maybe it is on your end, but not on my end. (laughs) Um, But, like, I'm older than you. I'm 35. So I remember, like, Step-Ons prior to, like, this current Step-On. And I don't know if you got the luxury of skiing old Step-Ons, but they were horrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've actually never even heard of step ons until, um, until Burton obviously gave me some, and I was like, oh, these things are sick. And then I helped, started help developing them, with them because they would be like, all right, well, how how does this feel with you with your arm, and how's this, how's that. So it's been really cool to help develop them, for sure. It's been
0: fun. Have you worked uh, with Maggie?
1: I have I work with Maggie a lot and I worked with Doyle while he was still with Burton as well. Um they're absolutely fantastic people to to work with. They're yeah, great.
0: Maggie's passion for step on and like in the adaptive setting is like unbelievable. Like when you talk to oh, her it's about unreal. it. unreal. She's like <laughs> you'd think she's like and I mean this in the nicest way but like you'd think she's like curing cancer. Like, she is, like, a scientist of Step-On and, like, wants to make this product that, one, not only gets, like, rad dads with kids back on a snowboard easily, but also, Mm -hmm. like, people who lose limbs and, like, have a, you know, lower leg injury. And, like, she's, like, making these, like, 3D printed molds for them to put, like, it's insane. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely wild.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super cool to see her work and just like little shout out to Mags, but I think she brings so much stoke to the sport and I think she brings so much positivity and encouragement. Like I, 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 personally think like, how could you not love working with her? Like, I remember we were filming one day and she actually taught me one of my first little, little moves. I this, I was like maybe eight months, eight, 10 months into snowboarding adaptively. Um, and, uh, I was doing really, really good on my heel edges and she was like, oh yeah, just lean back a little bit more and put your hand on the rail. And I was like, okay. And I, (laughs) and I did that for the first time. So like, even while we were in the middle of like doing a photo shoot for the fall, for the fall stuff, she was like, oh yeah, try this and you can do this. And ever since then, I've freaking love my heel edges now. So, I mean, (laughs) she's just, she's a rad human being. She brings so much stoke. And so much, like, encouragement to the sport and just the growth. And I always see her encouraging women and stuff. I, I love her. She's such a rad human.
0: Yeah, she's just like a little ball of joy. This is returning to a Maggie podcast. But it's she really is. She's, <laughs> well, she's an athlete, too, which I think is so important. Yeah. I think when we yeah, hear, like, you know, we think of, like, snowboard engineers or binding engineers or skiers or boot engineers. We just think of, like, these – old Frenchman, like smoking cigarettes, or at least I do. I don't know. And like to see Maggie, like a young female athlete, who's also an engineer designer, like that is why these products are coming out. And like, they're just getting better because it's not how they're supposed to feel. It's like how they actually feel. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I think burton understands what they have
1: yeah one thousand percent
0: at what point did you think this is kind of a shift but kind of not was there like (laughs) a turning point in your life where you were like holy cow i can do this like i can be a multi-sport athlete not just a hobbyist anymore like you're a professional athlete
1: yeah um (laughs) <laughs> if i'm being totally honest i think pretty i think like a month ago it actually hit me when i won Tour. okay um mm-hmm. that is when it actually hit me and one of my old coaches was there and man dude i'll be honest my first my first two seasons doing this my coach i i think this was almost a daily conversation i would always ask him can i really do this can i should i really stick with this is this a good idea for me like, do I fit in here? Like, I don't know, man, this is just so much money and so much sacrifice. Like I, this was a daily thing. And I remember crossing the finish line at detour. He walks up to me and he's now our filmer and he walked, walked up to me immediately. He's like, never again, do I ever want to hear you question, is this right for you? And I was like, okay, deal. And I was just kind of like, after that, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. It was such a great day. And because my first, my very two first competitions, I couldn't do the courses. I got pulled. They didn't even let me compete because I wasn't able to do them. And then a few months ago, I get my first World Cup podium, and then I get two first place in Euro Cups. So this season has definitely kind of, you know, I've been seeing my hard work pay off. And then I'm like, All right, cool. And then I get back from detour and I, my email's flooded with stuff for – you know skateboarding and surfing and moto and i'm like yeah i i can definitely do this and so it's it's kind of exciting to kind of think about what what the future is going to be and the cool things that like i already have so many ideas for all these different sports of what to do um it's definitely a really cool journey for sure
0: do you think you'll be doing this in four years six years Like it's just this. This is just the beginning.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: And now, what do we do in the summer? Like, is that when we get on the dirt bike?
1: Oh yeah, well, dirt bike. I try my best to do all year round. Um, This coming up summer, there's actually the biggest national in the world is called Loretta Lynn's Amateur National. Yeah. um, I think Darius Glover. uh, He is. uh, He's in a wheelchair. I believe that he raced it once. But no other female adaptive racer, because there really isn't any except for me and maybe two others, has ever raced it before. And I talked to some of my current sponsors for Moto about, it, and they're like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." And so I have amazing people on my corner that's actually going to help me train and hopefully qualify and race the Loretta Lynn National, which is going to be absolutely insane. <laughs> I I am nervous about it, but I'm really excited because um, you know that's also advocating for getting more females to ride dirt bikes. So um, I'm really excited about it, though. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, the female dirt bike scene is very interesting. Um, my girlfriend yes. grew up racing dirt bike her whole life. Her whole life. Uh, her sister raced dirt bike her whole life. Mm-hmm. qualified for Loretta Linz. she's been there four times but like it's a battle like you're you're doing all the oh, same yeah. things the males are but there's like I, I interviewed Brittany Marcotte who's actually a a pro monster truck driver now but she uh-huh. fe, she was a female motocross racer and she was like there was no pro career for me after that like she she went to Loretta Linz and then like that that's it like that was the finish line there is no like you don't go on and like race supercross or and it's really because of there isn't enough competitors right there's not enough storytelling there's not enough competition and especially in one place from what it sounds like like when you go to Loretta Lynn's everyone's there but like if you race in your district and you're only racing against two females it's really easy to be top two females. (laughs) So it's like, how do we continue to get female racers, female athletes, you know, whether it be motocross, which is, I feel like a very, very intimidating sport. Um, (laughs) you know, how do we continue to get shine light on these female riders?
1: Yeah. I think that's just, that's just such a hard question because you know, we can look back in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, that's when WM, the WMA was really popping, right? Like, we had actually file like, Tara Geiger, uh, Taylor Higgins. We had all these amazing, badass women that had that were getting picked up by Red Bull Honda um, and actually starting to create a path for pros. But the problem is is that they didn't bring enough, enough, uh, enough revenue. So just like what i'm doing with with my category in the ipc they decided to nix it because they're not bringing in the numbers which sucks and i think that's why it's that's why it's so hard to recruit women into the sport because it's almost you have to sell them the idea of unfortunately this is a hobby and that's probably all it's ever going to be because if you want to actually make money and make a living off of moto it's it's not there i wouldn't say it's impossible but it's not there. And I think Moto is just struggling in a sport as its own already. Um, where they're kind of already struggling to, you know, support male privateers and more guys coming into the supercross scene trying to be the next Ryan Dungey or whatever, Ricky Carmichael or you know, Jeremy McGrath. You know, that the sport in itself is already kind of withering away. Um So I don't know. Anytime that I talk to a chick about riding, I'm like, yeah, you should definitely ride and just keep it fun. And if it's fun for them, they they won't walk away from it.
0: Yeah, but I think at one point there has to be some type of pay. Like, not, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we should always do things for passion and fun. But, like, if you're out there riding the same course that, I mean, Dungy's retired, but that Dungy is... And he's making millions of dollars and you're, you know, loading up your Honda Civic with a Harbor Freight trailer towing your dirt bike, like something is broken, right? One thousand
1: percent. So like,
0: how do we, you know, and I'm not looking for an answer, but it's, it's one of those things that I always found so interesting. And it's really cool to see a lot of major brands starting to like recognize females Like you just signed with At, which is like, congratulations. But like, that's an insane partnership and it's honestly a no brainer for them. Like here's a safety company. Like you had a horrible accident and like they make safety gear that maybe could have prevented this type of injury. So like, why not put you as a perfect spokesman for this brand?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that one one was definitely a, a great, great shoe in.
0: Yeah, that's it's amazing that brands, you know, when it works, sometimes people see eye to eye and it works very well. But do you ever think about, like, how do you, and this is kind of going to be a jerk question, but I don't mean it like that. How do you provide value for for a brand like Liat?
1: Oh, man, I think just any, you know, this is how I've actually been able to sell my value for every brand is I'm like, you know, you'll get an athlete very typically that is just one sport. I have four sports, so I already have a way bigger audience than a lot of athletes out there. So, especially with the – specifically with Liat, I pretty much told him the exact same thing that you just said, and I was like, you know, I was wearing a neck brace when I lost my arm. And if it wasn't for that neck brace – I wouldn't be here right now. And so that kind of connected on, on, on a real cool level, but like with Microsoft, who I'm also sponsored with, I was able to tell them, Hey, like I can use their technology in every single sport that I do. Cause I always have to make modifications to my gear. So I think it really just depends on the brand and what the goal is, what they stand for. And yeah, I kind of just adapt and work, work my way.
0: Do you ever think, I think, I'm going to tell you now what I think that that you care, but I think you should, like, this summer, create a video project, like, telling, not necessarily your story, but, like, I think there's so much value in MX video projects right now that's not being tapped. I think... Yeah. Like I'm blown away by it. Same with snow bikes. Jesse Kirschmeyer is, I mean, he's won the, the snow bike, whatever, what amzoil snow cross the last like four years. And he has like 4,000 followers on Instagram. And I'm like, dude, you are like the top dog in your world, but no one knows who you are because competition is like, I don't want to say it's dying. It's alive and well, but like these video projects are so, this is the world we live in, right? We swipe. So if you can get someone for two minutes. And, like, I'm not saying you have to tell your story, but, like, you ex Liat on a dirt bike making, like, a desert edit would be, like, that's what I want to see, if I'm being honest. Like- so,
1: it's actually very funny that you mentioned that. Um, This is the first time I'm kind of mentioning about it, but I am actually working with Liat about doing an entire video series, and we already started working on it, so keep brows open well, good. And congratulations as you should
0: but yeah. I think I think yeah. it's so that's what like the it's not the untapped market but I feel like motocross is so far behind and like I I ride dirt bikes five days a week like I and not in the winter I'm a 302 stroke woods guy like the nastier it is the meaner it is that's where I want to be I don't want to race anybody. I'm really slow, but I really like single track, technical, tight, whatever. But like, that's what I want to see people do. So when, you know, like Cody Webb just came out with a video and I was like, this is what I don't want to see Cody race. I want to see him like doing fun things that I might be able to do so I can connect. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like. Go ahead.
1: Oh, go, go ahead, finish. <laughs> I was just going to say, I
0: feel like motor sports are so far behind on that. Like, skiers, they make edits. Snowboarders, they make edits. And we're like, I feel like I know half these athletes. Like, you know, Line Traveling yeah. Circus has been going on forever. I feel like I know Andy Perry because he's been doing a film series for almost 10 years, maybe even 10 years at this point. And it's like, it's relatable content. Like, I can't relate to Ryan Dungey. And then he finally, after he retired, did that edit and it was like oh yeah i could maybe ride with him like through the woods he did it like on yeah. a track with corn but still
1: yeah i think i think a lot of guys in the moto scene is definitely starting to pick up on that i mean axel hodges is a, is a prime example you know like his brother does dirt shark so i mean he's gotten a lot of his opportunities through his brother and filming and then you know, Christian Craig, he's doing a, a vlog with his wife and his kids, and showing like behind the scenes, and that's gotten him a lot of opportunities as, as, long, as well as his wife. Um,
0: but like, what if then, what is Christian Christian Craig's hasn't finished like top? I don't want to, but like he hasn't podium. He just won Anaheim. Did oh, did he win? Okay, well then he I'm just wrong. Won but yeah. he like, <laughs> but like what I was saying is like he hasn't been podiuming recently and maybe i'm wrong because i didn't i didn't watch last weekend when it just started but and he's still a huge name which is like because he has because he's doing these other things people are like cheering for him and want him to win which i just think is such like a they're finally starting to get it i guess which is amazing i didn't know he won anaheim that's amazing i didn't i haven't looked on like looked up anything this weekend yet From last weekend Well
1: I think I think he's also A big success Because I mean Let's be honest here He's a great looking fella And you get the guy's Girlfriends to fall For Christian Craig You're gonna be buying All of his merch For your girl So I mean (laughs) I think that's another reason Why he's also successful But that's just coming From a girl standpoint Because he is A very handsome fella
0: Well sex sells And everyone (laughs) knows that But it's He's still very good At what he does And that's (laughs)
1: 1000%
0: Yeah it's you know, but I I think the video series will be interesting. And I got to ask, how do you ride a dirt bike? Where's your throttle? Is it your throttle? Like, do you have a clutch? How does this all work? Your bike has to be totally yeah, modified for you.
1: It is. So I was on a Sierra 150 r and that bike, you know, it served its purpose for, for a really good long time, about four or five years. But, you know, I wanted to move up. Um, just because I've, I've gotten to be a really great rider. So I moved to a CRF 250R, and my modifications are my throttle's on the left side, and it rolls forward, so it's upside down. Whoa. And then I have a clutch. I mean, the front brake lever is on the left side as well with my throttle. And then my clutch is on the right side, but my clutch I don't use because I have a recluse, so all I have to do is dry shift. I don't use the clutch lever at all. Um,
0: I didn't even and think then about I was a recluse.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually really great. A lot of pretty much all the guys in Supercross use them now because you know, you tip over in a corner and you don't stall out like your bike keeps running. Um, so it's really good for not losing time and you don't have to sit there and like keep kickstarting your bike, you know, um, and then I have a steering stabilizer underneath my handlebars to help me keeping from head shake and then my foot levers are all the same. So that's, that's all the modifications.
0: For anyone listening, we don't have like a giant moto listener base yet, but for anyone listening, a recluse (laughs) is like an auto clutch. Uh, So on a dirt bike, you would have to pull a clutch in to shift and with a recluse, it's an auto clutch. So it's, you can still use your clutch if you want to, but you don't have to. I hope that explains it decently enough for everybody. I didn't even, that like yes. blows my mind that you just use a recluse because I was like, how does she shit? I use a recluse for my, my enduro. And like, obviously, nice. like, why wouldn't you? Like, I just throw my bike at waterfalls and try to get up them and it just crumbles down and still running. It's the greatest thing on the planet. But you also must have like the yeah. strongest legs on the planet to grip that bike. Uh,
1: yeah. So my shrouds, the plastics that are on the side of the bike, And my radiators, which is also on the side of the bike underneath the shrouds, they actually have a curve to them. I've actually bent them (laughs) because of how strong, like, how bad, like, my legs squeeze my bike to stay stable. So I've actually indented my bike.
0: That's amazing. And your throttle forward. (laughs) Does that? Yes. That's better? I'm sure you've tested both, but, like, that's...
1: For me, personally, it is better because if I'm going over whoops or breaking bumps, I don't get whiskey throttle as easily. Like, I actually have a lot more control over my throttle.
0: That makes sense. I don't know. That doesn't... Yeah, it's, it seems crazy to me, but that makes total sense. And then what about your snowboard? Yes. What do you have modded on your snowboard? It's just bindings, yeah, I assume. So,
1: yeah, so the the bindings actually... Um, the release levers, especially for the step bones, are on the inside. They're not on the outside, so I don't have to reach over. So we switched those up. Okay. Yep. And then and then, uh, and then uh, there's two amazing women at Burton. Their name is Kyle and June, and they've helped me modify some jackets so it's easy for me to zip up my jackets with one hand. And then they also closed off my right sleeve since my arm stays un- under my jacket in a sling
0: so you wear it in a sling yes when you do all sports
1: yes because if i don't it'll flap around behind me like a flag
0: okay excuse my ignorance i'm just asking and trying to you know, have it make sense <laughs> um, no, no,
1: yeah no you're good i i like to make jokes about my arm i'm very light with it it's it's my gimpy fin. my friends call me nemo
0: that's amazing but what else can, i mean yes. obviously it's easy for me to say but like what else can you do Like, this is the card you were dealt, and like, in the grand scheme of things, which is, you've already touched on it, which is a great attitude to have, like, things could have been way worse.
1: Way worse.
0: And like, you're you're dealt this card, and you're just making the best out of it, and now, like, who knows? Like, if this, and I don't, again, excuse me if I'm overstepping, but like, this could have been arguably one of the greater things that ever happened to you, because now... Like, would you have chosen this path if you didn't have this injury? Would you have been as stubborn as you are to be like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Like, I don't know. I,
1: actually, I, yeah, actually, yeah, I've, I've thought about that a lot recently, um, especially after my successes with snowboarding that I never thought would ever happen. Like, my first snowboard was a Burton board. I never in a million years would have ever thought that I would sign with them and actually be on team Burton, like that blows my mind. Um, Cause when I was younger, you know, I wanted to be a professional motocross racer. And right before I broke my neck, I was only racing at that race to practice for a national that was coming up so I could race in the women's cup. This was back when the WMA was at its absolute biggest. Nobody knew that it was gonna disappear in about two years. And so everything that I was training and preparing and trying to achieve wouldn't have mattered anyway because that career path got taken away and I've always loved snowboarding but I never thought I would ever be a professional snowboarder and travel the world and meet the coolest people ever so this actually made a lot more dreams a possibility with my arm the way that it is
0: yeah I always find it I don't know if you know Roy at high fives if you've dealt with them at all um but like
1: yeah he sounds familiar
0: he owns High Fives Foundation, which is for adaptive uh-huh. sports, adaptive athletes. Uh, his name's Roy Tuscany. If you don't know him, you guys should be best friends because he does so much for adaptive sports, specifically like skiing, snowboarding, mountain biking. Um, his wife—they
1: do some stuff with Moto because I—I did an event with them at Leadville Motocross Park.
0: Yep, yep, he does and we, that too. We did. We
1: did. Yep. We did some moto stuff over there together. It was a lot of fun. I I love high fives. They're a great organization. They've, they, they help a lot of my teammates.
0: Yeah, they are amazing. But Roy is like, he's like one of the first people I've ever say that like his injury was the, like the greatest thing that ever happened to him because you know, his life path that he was on wasn't that great until he had this, you know, until he had an accident, which led to basically an epiphany that like life is kind of short and like you know, I don't put words in his mouth, but it was such a, it's such a refreshing take. And I'm sure it takes a long time to make peace with your injury and like mental health and just feeling comfortable in your own body. And like, I'm sure that all changed, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but now to be like in a comfortable place and talk about it. And you seem to talk about it freely. Like, it's just gotta be so refreshing to feel that way feel comfortable, feel good in your space, and now being successful in multiple sports.
1: Yeah, I I mean, that mentality definitely took time because, you know, I had my accident while I was 12 years old. And, you know, I was just about to hit puberty, and I was starting to actually like boys and makeup. And I was like, man, how am I going to do my hair? And how am I going to do makeup? Or am I ever going to get a boyfriend? Do you guys like disabled girls? Like, you know, just normal teenage girl thoughts and I'd say like all through high school I was really insecure with my arm like I hated the way that it looked because it's severely atrophied
0: sorry for everyone we awesome. dropped for a second uh, we were just talking about your injury you growing up starting to love makeup like boys were boys interested in you did they care that you had an upper arm injury yeah and we were going from there
1: yeah so you know High school and middle school suck, man. Like, I've had, my, I've had a talk with one of my friends, and they're like, hey, just curious. If somebody paid you a million dollars, would you go back to high school? And my answer was like, you know what? I'm a lot happier being broke. Um, high school sucked. And there was this one time I'll never forget, like, you know, going through the process of trying to be okay with my arm and everything, is because it looks it looks different like i hated wearing tank tops i hated wearing bane suits it would be 102 degrees outside and i would i would choose to wear a sweater to hide my arm because i have such insane muscular atrophy where my arm looks like a skeleton honestly and i remember walking down the hallway and there's these two boys and one of them looked at me and was like oh yeah dude that's the girl i was telling you about that has the paralyzed arm and then his friend looked at him and said, oh, yeah, it looks like flubber. And I remember how bad that hurt because it validated how I felt about my arm and my insecurity of it. But then I immediately turned around and actually used my bad hand to flip them off. Like, I actually took my good arm and used and picked up my middle finger and my bad arm and just lifted up to them. And then um, I was like, this might look like flubber, but at least I'm not a dick. <laughs> And I told my my parents about the story, and my dad was like, you know, I'm really proud of you. (laughs) And I think, you know, that, that moment sucked, but at the same time, like, I think that was kind of the turning point for me, where I was like, if somebody doesn't like me because my arm looks weird, I don't want to be friends with them anyways. And that kind of shifted my whole mentality of, yeah, my arm looks different, but it's, it would suck to look like everybody else. Like, at least I'm different. At least I have a story to tell somebody where I can help another person. Or, you know, at least I have, I have my uniqueness, you know, and I might cuss like a sailor, but I'm a real believer in God. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely saved by Jesus. I'm a huge believer. And, you know, I've, I've always wrestled with the wonder of like, why me, why me? But I think it's actually pretty rad that I have a unique way to glorify God on a daily basis and a way to actually empathize and sympathize with people that are hurting. Um, so I look at it as a lot more of a gift and I'm happy that my arm looks different because people will be like, Oh, what's wrong with your arm? Or why, why are you only using one hand? And it allows me to share my story and my experiences. And then those people open up to me and they're like, oh, wow, I know somebody blah, 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 or my son's going through blah, 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 blah. And then I made a new friend. I made a, I made a new connection. I, I networked, I helped somebody out. We shared, we shared common struggles where we know that we're not alone in, in struggles of the world. So it's been a new blessing and, but it's definitely taken time to get to that point and to get to that mentality. Um, it definitely didn't happen overnight and it, it was me choosing to think that way. Um, but yeah.
0: No, I love that. I love, it's like you've made peace with yourself, which seems Yeah. so simple, but I think it's refreshing to hear like Yeah. the story of, you know, you in high school, like. 15 year old you trying to figure it out like you're going your body's going through some weird shit as it is and now you've got Mm -hmm. an injury to deal with and like boys suck they always suck and I'm sure the girls suck too and like to find you coming out of it and like it's like it's like this sad story it's like the typical sad story with like the beautiful ending right And like, it sounds corny and it's cliche and it's even probably cornier for you because it's your life. But now you're just like, you just living your life the way you want to live it is an inspiration to somebody. And that's got to be, does it ever feel like a burden?
1: I mean, I think it really depends on the situation. Typically, no, because it's the way that I look at things. So, I mean, a prime example is on my social media, one thing I will never, ever, ever do and I refuse to do is talk about politics. I don't ever want to give my two cents about who I voted for or what I think about anything. The only thing that I know for sure that I know that I'm an expert in is how to have fun and how to love other people. So, I don't necessarily take that burden of people expecting me to be happy-go-lucky or to be inspiring because I that's kind of just how I live my life and I've talked a lot on my social media about how I I battle with depression I battle with being alone anxiety um missing my family you know because I know I'm not the only person that's struggling through that But if I'm open about my struggles and I'm transparent, that allows other people to be transparent and find healing themselves. So my mentality is never, is it a burden? My mentality is I have this really rad opportunity to genuinely help people and to find peace and to find healing with themselves and others around them. So then it doesn't become a burden. It actually becomes an honor.
0: That, Is such a good take that it almost seems fake, but talking to you for the last hour, I know it's genuine, but it's true. And like, fortunately for us, our era, again, I'm a little older than you, but I'm still going to claim the younger generation here is we're at a point where we can say we're not okay. And we can be, you know, we can, you know, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And you can say, you know, I'm just not having a good day mentally. And that's acceptable now versus like our parents, our parents couldn't pull that off. And I don't think that's cool. I don't think it's cool to be like, just suffer through it. I think it's amazing that we can now shine light and just be like, I'm not okay. I need a break. Or like, you know, I think before we started talking, we talked about, uh, you're taking a social media break on Friday and like, Like I was just like, F yeah. Like take the break. Good for you because you have this audience in this platform that like, you know, wants more. That's all Instagram wants is more. And that's all TikTok wants is more. Like I, I joke with, um, one of our buddies, Alex Kaufman used to have a podcast and he quit and he always let, he always makes fun of us and says, you got to feed the machine. But like every week I have to do this and it's hard sometimes to do it. We, I mean, we tried scheduling this for two, three weeks and like, yeah, it's time. Ta- it's whether it's times, but like, you know, you're on the West coast and I'm East coast. So like, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night here and it's not, it's seven for you or, you know, vice versa. And it's, it's hard to be on and deliver every week. And it's so, this is a long run on sentence, but it's so refreshing that we've found a point in our society where we are comfortable enough and it's acceptable to say, I need a break.
1: Yeah. Cause I think, you know, people, people through social media and TV and stuff have, have kind of gotten this illusion that athletes are just athletes. When athletes aren't really like how they were back then athletes. Now today we are now content creators. We now have business meetings cause we're our own brand We are constantly making deals. We have to be at training 24 7. We have to be talking to our coaches. We have a nutritionist, specialist. We got to be in the gym. We got to be on the mountain. We got to be adjusting our equipment. We're traveling. We're competing. We're keeping up with emails and meeting obligations with other brands and making sure that we're posting. We're trying to figure out content ideas. So, I mean, and all of this is just on the professional side. Like, that's not even including making time for your family, doing the dishes, doing your laundry, and just. You know, living as a human being.
0: Yeah, seeing your
1: friends. Yeah, seeing your friends. Like people see you being an athlete, and they expect like an amazing athlete. But then, if you're not putting content, then they get disappointed in you because your first place isn't enough. They're like, "Well, why didn't we get a video of this entire competition? Where's the video of your runs?" And then, you know, God forbid you take a week to respond to somebody in your messages, then people start getting hurt by you and saying oh, well, I guess you're not know, responding to me is important when they're like the 97th message in your inbox. You know, so you're playing you're playing so many different roles on top of the pressure of being an athlete. And I think, you know, we, we all heard about the story of Simone Biles when she was at the Olympics and she decided to not compete because she mentally could not be there. And I respected the heck out of her for that because – If you're not mentally there, you as an athlete are then putting yourself at risk for injury. So acknowledging yourself and your mental health and where you are at mentally, I think takes more of a stronger athlete than anything else. To actually mentally check in with yourself and be like, okay, how am I feeling about this? Because, you know, if you're you're dropping into a course and you're not mentally there, you're not going to perform. Because 80% mental, 20% physical, right? Oh, yeah. And then on top of, on top of all that, you have all these other things running through your head. Like, am I representing my brand well here? Am I representing my team well here? Who do I need to talk to after the competition? Who's watching me at this competition? Um, my family's probably gonna get butt hurt because I didn't text them the time that we're streaming. So like, it's a lot. It's a lot on one plate. Um, and you know, I'm 27. I, I would love to get married. I would love to have kids, but I can't date because I legitimately don't have the time. <laughs> so it's, you're having to make sacrifices all the time because if, if you're not putting 110% of what you have right now, you are like, all right, then why did I sacrifice those things? If I'm not going to put 110% effort into this. So you're constantly beating yourself up almost of, am I doing enough? Am I performing enough? And it's just like an endless cycle of things.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, like, you're, you know, in the last, really, it seems like the last six months, things are really starting to, like, come together for you. So, like, this hard work is really starting to, like, show something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're seeing results and you're seeing gold medals and some sponsors and partnerships that, like, align with you and your beliefs. But, like, no one looks at the last, I mean, 13 years of your life to get here
1: right yeah
0: and that's what i think we miss we don't see we being the audience is like we see your successes but we didn't see you coming home from high school you know bawling your eyes out or being bullied and we all get bullied and everything else but like to overcome all of that is it's it's impressive and it's like you're there you're you're getting there and you're you're seeing the fruits of your labor and you just hope that your friends and family understand like how much you've put in to get to where you are
1: yeah and what's cool is that they definitely have and you know that's that's another reason why like on my social media or anytime they have the opportunity to I always try to be as real as I can I know I made a post recently about 2017 I mean that was the hardest year of my life. I would rather break my neck 50,000 times before I go through so 2017 again. Um, if I, I had a lot of things in my personal life that just happened where I ended up living on my truck. I was homeless and I only had about like 180 bucks. And I came to Colorado because I heard this really cool snowboarding opportunity and that I could be an advocate for upper limb women and kind of create a path in the Paralympics and you know, snowboard every day and chase this dream. And, you know, I was like, all right, I guess I'm moving to Colorado. I don't have anything else. And I moved up here with like 180 bucks in my bank. That's all I had. And here I am today. So it's just, it's cool because snowboarding legitimately, legitimately saved my life because of how heavy my depression was around that time. Um, like I had some really, really dark days, uh, like, I'll just be very honest, like, I, I attempted some dangerous things twice. Um, and then snowboarding popped up, and it gave me something to fight for. It gave me something to look forward to. And it gave me a new family, and it genuinely saved my life during that time. Um, and I'm just super grateful for it. So to see, to go from that and then just to put a lot of hard work in from, you know, getting pulled to com- from competitions because I wasn't able to do the, to do the course – you know getting my first world cup podium and a winning due tour it's just really exciting and that you know it kind of circles back to what you said earlier that's when it kind of hit me that yeah this is definitely for me and i can i can do this even though it took me three four years to recognize that but it's a really it's a really cool feeling it's really neat to know i did all of this by myself with absolutely nobody's help which is rad
0: yeah and it's a it's an amazing story and i appreciate you you know opening up and sharing that story cuz i think it's important i think it's important for people to hear it's not mm-hmm. you know life isn't easy and it sucks no, not a not. lot life sucks a lot and we just celebrate victories and we don't you know it's it's refreshing to hear you talk about your you know for lack of a better term defeats and how you've pushed yeah. through all of them and like created this life that you wanted, you know, my, you know, you said you're like really good at having fun. That's like your, Mm -hmm. that's your thing. That's what you're good at. And I laughed at it because I went on a trip recently with a ski company and you know, everyone's, everyone's there and we're all, everyone's the best skier on the planet. Right. That's like what everyone's better than everybody. I'm with like a bunch of shop bros. And and I was like, listen, (laughs) I'm the worst skier here. 100%. I won't argue anybody. I am worse than you. I'm the worst skier here. But no one will have more fun than me. Like, I like I promise you. And, like, I skied bell to bell. I made Kyle Smain, uh, pro skier for Fisher Skis. I made him do more laps with me. He was done. The skiing was terrible. We were at Winter Park. But it was like, no one will have more fun than me. And I think it's such a fun, uh-huh. great attitude to have. And it's not always easy. And I think these conversations help because we shine light on the bad, which brings in the good. And like, that's how we're humans. There's highs and lows. There's, you know, ebbs and flows. And I think, you know, I think it's, you know, it's part of doing what you love every day forever. It's like, it's, I went to see this crappy punk band called Cerebral Ballsy once, and that's what the kid said. And I'll never forget it. And I want to tell him that if he's ever listening or if I ever find the kid, it's a quote that stuck with me forever. Like do what you love every day forever. And I always joke that skiing ruined my life because I was a, a really good basketball player and that's what I did all through high school and then I didn't ski till I was like 17 18 and when I started skiing that's all I wanted to do. And now yeah. I now it's years later I ski 100 plus days a year. I travel the country in a van. And I'm like this ruined my life and I wouldn't choose anything else, but like this is what I'd cho- like if I didn't find skiing I'd probably be like an accountant right now or a cop. And like, that's crazy to me. Like I went to school for economic crime investigation. Like I was on track to be in like the FBI. And then I found skiing and I was like skiing ruined my life. And I mean that in the best way. I mean it in every. Like the greatest way possible. And it's, it's again, this is my big long run on sentence again. I get a couple of these every episode, so I'm sorry. But I ran into my buddy yesterday in the ski town and he was the guy who introduced me to skiing and he's a lawyer, married, has two kids. And he's like, still skiing, huh? And I was like, and we keep in touch, but I was like, you did this. You introduced me to this and ruined me. And then you went off to college and graduated from a law with a law degree. And here I am just still chasing the dream, but I wouldn't change it for anything, but it's, it's amazing. Long story long, how, how, Something so simple like sliding down snow can change your life completely and give you purpose.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, shout out to the Burton family, but I think Jake Burton is a freaking excellent example of that. Like, he had no idea that strapping a piece of wood on his feet and going down a mountain was going to give him a, like a multi million dollar business um, and make it into an actual Olympic sport. So I, yeah, it, I just think snowboarding is absolutely incredible. And it's funny because, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me what, what's my favorite sport? Do I like moto surfing, snowboarding or skateboarding better? Like if I had to get rid of one and I always have the same answer. I I can't just pick one because every sport gives me something that the other doesn't offer. That's why I do all four. Because each of them has its own unique opportunities. Each has its own different types of adrenaline. And it it gives me a different type of peace and happiness from each one that's so different than the other. And that's why I just think action sports in in its entirety is just so rad. Um, Because, you know, you have the culture, you have the people, you have the art, you have the music, you have you have so many different ways of expression and individuality and you get some, uh, like my, my greatest friends are, they all do action sports. My greatest family memories was when we were at the mountain together. If I was going to races with my dad or if I was surfing with my cousins, like all of my best memories and best conversations was around sports. And I just, I, I think they're just, they're awesome for community and just connecting with people, you know, Um, because I I have this one quote that I absolutely love by Francis Chan, where he said, um, our greatest fear should not be of success, but of succeeding in things that life that don't matter because I would much rather be like a fourth or eighth place athlete and have great relationships and have the best time ever rather than being an athlete with first place medals and no one to share that with and no one to spend time with to like, you know, have friends to go shred powder with on a great powder day. And so I I just always look at this as, I get to connect with people and I get to meet people all over the world that share the same passions and interests that I do. And I can connect with people on that unique positive rod
0: level versus anybody else yeah and I think to touch on uh Jake Burton you know you said this multi-million dollar business but he also created a culture which not many people we can't really pinpoint many people that created a culture and Mm -hmm. he created one he created a movement and I don't think he ever had a plan to have it grow into anything like this and If anyone hasn't watched uh, Ride On yet, it's on HBO. It's the story of, like, Jake Burton. It explains it, but, like, it became an Olympic sport, and, like, he didn't think that was going to happen. I think he was just stubborn, and he refused to listen to anybody else in in the greatest way. Stubborn is always a bad term, but I think stubbornness can be great. And he created a culture, and I think of, I always call skiing or snowboarding or any type of, I like to not categorize them. If you're sliding on snow and having fun, I try to support you. And if you're on ski boards, I try to be a fan. <laughs> I don't care. But it's art. It really is because, yeah. like, we think about like how our how our clothes are going to look and what's going to match and like, you know, how we're going to wear. You know, are we going to wear skinny jeans or what? Whatever. It's all art. How you're going to land? Are you going to land with a heavy head? Are you going to land like looking back? That's your art. And you're creating something live and, you know, certain people have certain riding styles and people like hang their arms like a T-Rex, like real weird. I kind (laughs) of do more of like a like a big like sweeping eagle when I go down the hill and I can't get rid of it. But like that's my snowboard style. And like when I turn, my arms go up and I'm a I will I will claim this on air that I am a great snowboarder. I've snowboarded for a long time. I actually just got a new snowboard. So I'm back again. I was a skier for a long time, but I ski, I, that's my Eagle style. Like it's not what I'm proud of, but like, it's the art that we create. And like, it's so amazing. And it's this whole movement and it's my favorite thing about snowboarding is that I think it's coming back. I think we lost it for a while and I feel yeah. like the culture is coming back. And the style is coming back and people are carving a snowboard again, which I love. Uh, yep. Ah, oh, it's so refreshing. They're like camber is back. Yeah. When snowboarding went to rocker, I was like, it's over. Rocker snowboards <laughs> shouldn't exist. This isn't what we do. Like we need camber and we need to carve and yep. we need to like, like there's a place for rocker, but like, uh, so I'm pumped that snowboarding's back and I've joined the movement again. So I'm back on a snowboard. And yeah, it's such, yeah. it's a culture and skiing, same thing, yeah. and all of them. And I don't want, I don't want it to be skiing or snowboarding. I want it to be sliding down snow with your friends and that's all it is. Yeah. And it's ruined many of lives in the greatest ways possible. <laughs> and I'm speaking to all yep. my friends out there. My friend Garrick is an engineer. He quit. He's a waiter at Jackson hole and I love him for it. And he'll be there forever and he'll <laughs> ski and he'll be happy till the day he dies And for that, I love him, and I love everyone else who's ruined their lives for this sport, which we call sliding down snow. Yes, 1,000% agree. It's amazing. So I don't want to keep you too much longer after we both ranted a little bit. What is next for you? (laughs) What can we look forward to seeing? I know you're going to take a little social media break, so good good on you for taking that break. But after that, where can people follow you? And what do you have coming Um, up? What's exciting? What's new?
1: Yeah. So aside from the little break, you know, I'll, I will be back on social media. Um, I'm actually trying to, I'm working with a few friends right now that do a lot of content creative and trying to brainstorm more stuff for YouTube. Um, you know, I kind of want to do like day in the life and give like one arm hacks and show I do things with one hand. I think it'd be cool because, you know, it could help somebody else. Um, and, you know, what's next for me is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just taking it day by day with snowboarding in regards to, I don't know if they're going to add the class back. I highly doubt it, but if they do, I'll hopefully be in Beijing for the Paralympic Games this season. Um, so fingers crossed for that. If not, then, you know, uh, I'm just going to keep training heavily the next two years go to world champs um show up so they keep our category in for 2026 in italy and you know i'm excited for to show up on that world stage at some point because um so far i am on track to be the first upper limb female to represent represent the united states ever and to make the u.s team so i think that's a really cool milestone to hit and that's definitely a goal of mine and the future's looking pretty bright with it. And then, you know, with moto, we're doing Loretta Lynn's going to qualify for that, race it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then going to do some competitions for surfing and then uh, skateboarding. I might actually possibly, heavy possibly, might be doing X Games, um, which would be really, really neat. So a lot of cool things coming down the pipe, for sure.
0: I love it. And maybe when the spring summer comes, we'll do a whole another episode and we'll talk about surfing and skateboarding. Cause we didn't even like, we talked about it, but we didn't even like tip of the iceberg on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff with uh, surfing and skateboarding. Um, you know, a lot, lot, lot of cool things are happening in the future with those two sports. I'm really excited, grateful to be a part of those two cultures and yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome very busy but it's it's a lot of fun
0: busy is good well thank you so much yes. for your time uh what is your instagram handle so everyone can follow you and if you're on tiktok or facebook anywhere anyone you want anyone to follow you this is kind of your moment to tell them right now
1: yeah my instagram is kiana clay 23 all one one word and then my tiktok uh is kiana I think it's kiana maria 23 or kiana clay 23 Um, I'm trying to grow my TikTok a little bit more. And then uh, that's kind of it. I'm not very active on Facebook or really anything else.
0: Yeah, no Primarily
1: just Instagram right now. Yeah.
0: We're not trying to join the metaverse, that's for sure. Uh, Kiana, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're driving. I know you went to the office during this. We dropped a call during this. So thank you so much for your patience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you.
0: Episode 42 with Kiana. What did you guys think? Again, we talked way too long. We had such a great conversation. She's going to blow up. She's going to be all over your screens, all over your phones, all over the TV. So get on it. Go follow her on Instagram. Sign the petition. And, you know, as always, like, share, review. That all helps me on the end. Follow at Mr. Adam X. Follow at on a podcast. Listen to Big Stick Energy. Listen to Van Chats and Coffee listen to out of bounds i guess we got to promote that one too even though he seems like to be our boss listen to all the episodes leave a review let us know what you think let us know what you like and if you want to hear somebody on the episode please dm me at mr MX, and i'll get him on the show i'll do my best to get him on the show we have some really awesome shows coming up and i can't wait for you to hear them all i'm mr MX, and i'll see you tomorrow